Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to another segment of a low-key podcast. And today to kind of continue with, we've been doing, recently we've, we've been doing a health week. And with this health week, last week we went over mental health. And I think this week, just to kind of build upon what we've done already, I think spiritual health is the next kind of phase a person should always make sure is most important for them when they're reaching their best self. In a sense. So in order to do that, we've asked Pastor Wade to come help us mo- like understand more about spiritual health and connecting with yourself on another level and with your level, in a sense. So Reverend Jonathan Michael Wade is a young, charismatic leader, intuitive thinker, and gifted communicator serving as a senior pastor of Macedonia Baptist Church of Baltimore City. Described as a young man with an old spirit, his unique personality, skills, and interests and it enables him to lead and work with youth, faith-based, faith-based business, and leadership organizations. Prior to coming to Macedonia, Pastor Wade served as educator, educative minister to the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, D.C., under the leadership of his pastor, Reverend Dr. Frank D. Tucker. Born in Baltimore, Maryland, Pastor Wade spent a majority of his life as a walk uh, as a Washingtonian, where he graduated from ben- Benjamin Banneker Academic High School. He holds a Bachelor's of Arts degree in Philosophy from Hamden Sydney Sydney College in Virginia and a Master's of Divinity degree from Howard University School of Divinity, as well as two certificates in, in educative, not educative, I'm sorry, executive leadership for ministers from Howard University School of Business. He has worked as a consultant with Christian humanitarian organization, World Vision, training youth leaders on new strategic methodologies for youth development. He also has consulted with a sexual assault prevention organization, Men Men Care Stop Rape, or MCSR, where where he mentored, apologize, young men to display positive forms of masculinity in order to proactively stop sexual assault and violence against women and train organizational partners with a proprietary curriculum of developed by MCSR. Currently, he works with the Economic Club of Washington, D.C. as a member of the Scholarship Alumni Leadership Council, working to support economic club scholarship recipients with mentorship, networking, and professional development opportunities. So, you know, this is honestly, this is a this is a big pleasure and I really appreciate, you know, the time that you're taking out of your out of your busy day to kind of be on this podcast with us. So the first question that we always like to ask our guests is what is success to you? Well, well, first, uh, uh, Dao, thank you uh, so much for inviting me. I'm honored, privileged uh, that you think of a brother um, and uh, I'm grateful to be here. Um, that's a tough one. Um, that's a tough one. I think um, success is always moving for me. But what I will say is, uh, for me, success ultimately is um, uh, one uh, something uh, being remembered in a positive light. Uh, for me, is success, um, and then also. Uh, whatever you do, whatever enterprise you're in, whatever activity you participate in or move through, um, uh, if you leave people in a better condition than when they started, for me, that's a definition of success. Um, Whether it's uh, as a family person, whether it's somebody working in career field, 
for, for me, success is about leaving others better than where they were when you first met them. And if your contribution does that, I think that's the, the best um, mode of success that anybody could ever have. Oh, that's deep, that's deep, that's deep. And why we ask that question is a lot of times that what we believe sometimes with success is that mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you have to be in the right type of space to want more, want better for yourself in a sense. And sometimes speaking to younger generations, we get so distracted by just outside forces and you know the internet and social media is that, and now we forget to tap into those pieces of ourselves in order to get to that next place. So my first question to start it all off is, how important is your village? Oh man, uh, I mean, it's quintessential, right? I mean, I, I look at it this way. You, you literally, um, you don't have a name without a community, mm-hmm. right? Right, you don't name, when you come out of the womb, you don't even name yourself. <laughs> and, so, and so when we're talking about village, right? Community is so important um, because we are biologically, mentally, and even spiritually social creatures. And so to uh, be uh, in a village um, is, is a privilege that everybody can have. Now, every village is not perfect. Um, and some villages have more, um, how do you say, uh, more resources than others. But uh, everybody you know needs a village everybody deserves one um one that allows their identity and their being to be um authentic mm-hmm. and it just it's just it's natural you i mean a cell phone doesn't make sense unless you got somebody in your village to call or text right social media is all about extending that village in a digital space mm-hmm. um and so village it, it is really the core of who you are as an individual. An individual doesn't even make sense outside of the realm of a collective. And so I think um, village is so important, so important to have. I understand that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Because I think a lot of times when, you know, we're finding that career path for ourselves, that a lot of times we we envision, okay, I have to have this team. Or some people are just like, oh, I have to, I can only do this by myself or I can't trust anybody or have that type of attitude where, they want to close themselves off. And like you said, having that community where you can really build yourself up and you can, as you're building yourself up, the, the person next to you is building themselves up. So it's organic and it's just, it's just positive, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. with the second question I actually have, so when it comes to religion and spiritual health, what are some misconceptions? Because I think a lot of times we like to throw out this word of manifestation. And we like to say, um, you know, if I think about, okay, hey, you know, I'm going to get this a million dollars that one day, boom, it's going to pop into my hand. And we forget about the idea of prayer, the idea of having a connection with God and in your higher being and understanding that, okay, it's not just me that's going to allow me to go on this walk. And I'm, you know, let me stop because I'm about to then ask the next question. So continue. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think one of the, well, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've actually been thinking about that in terms of a Bible study. So one of, one of the things that I think we really have to wrestle with, particularly, uh, you know, younger generations and 
now at this point, I'm on the older side of the millennials and then we got the Zoomers coming up. But I think um, that concept of being spiritual but not religious, mm-hmm. I think we need to um, we need to unpack that yeah. um, um, because ultimately to say that really isn't saying anything. Right. Because if you take it at face value, it assumes that people who are religious aren't spiritual. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, and if. If you are somebody who is spiritual, you have to ask the question, well, what does that mean, right? What does it mean what, when you say you're spiritual but not religious, what does that mean, right? Um, and I think um, unpacking that, and I don't want to put words in people's mouths. People have different experiences. Um, but I think the misconception that people who operate in an organized religious fashion are not spiritual. And I think that um, uh, sometimes what's more dangerous is to have a spirituality that isn't reflective, mm-hmm. that isn't um, uh, that doesn't involve any level of critical thinking. The worst thing that you could do is to leave your brain at the door of whatever religious expression or tradition you're trying to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that any identity of the divine is big enough, strong enough, mighty enough, and even kind enough mm-hmm. to handle whatever questions or whatever. Uh, complications you offer and so I think um, to talk about being spiritual and being religious you really have to uh, we really have to take some time to wrestle with what that means some people you know in my experience some people just mean that they have been hurt by the church they went to or been hurt by the religious uh, tradition that they were in and Mm -hmm. so they haven't lost everything about their understanding about divinity they just don't subscribe to that particular orthodoxy. And that's okay, right? Um, and, and that's okay. But say that, right? Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, you know, say, say that, you know, I had, you know, I had a church and you know, I didn't like the experience. And so now um, I'm kind of just doing my own thing. That's better than just saying spiritual, not religious, because ultimately that's not saying much of anything. Yeah. Um, and so I think if if we can be a little bit more honest about where we are in our spiritual journeys. Mm-hmm. I think um, it will better communicate where, you know, where you might even be trying to go, right? Because to say you're spiritual, um, everything is spiritual, right? And to say you're not religious um, could mean what, right? It could be, do you still pray? Do you, you know, do you not pray? Do you just not pray in church, right? You know? So those are, those are questions that sometimes can be misguided. So when we hear it a lot, um, that's a misconception that has to be, to be dealt with. Um, and I guess the, the second misconception I would say is that nobody in any religious tradition thinks the same way. Mm-hmm. And so to make the assumption that, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I've been Baptist all my life. I was Baptist raised that and I'll be Baptist dead. Right. So, you know, someone could make an assumption that because, I'm a Baptist black preacher that I'm um, I'm sending all homosexuals to hell. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, that's unfair. Yeah. Right. Because um, that uh, you're making so many assumptions about that. Right. Without any type of dialogue or conversation. And so I think sometimes um, we have to be a little bit slower in making certain assumptions based upon what church people go to, what mosque, synagogue, what temple they might attend mm-hmm. um, and what that might mean. Um, in the context of their spiritual journey. Very true. Very true. So then that actually 
it's actually a perfect segue into my second question because that spiritual journey piece, I think since people forget to pray or they say, I don't have time to pray or I don't have time to read scripture or I don't have time to get in touch with my God, that they forget about their that the, the path that God has set for them and that their journey is their journey as their own journey and not somebody else's because you can't you know you can't live somebody else's life you can't when people say walk in somebody's shoes you can try to understand somebody's experience but you'll never be able to really live in their experience because you have your own destiny and your own mm-hmm. purpose so how important is it to find religion in your own way or if that makes sense yeah yeah no i i think i i think that um as you say everybody is on their own journey right mm-hmm. and i think that um one you in, in order to have a spiritual experience you have to be open-minded mm-hmm. Right, you have to look beyond the realm of logic or rationality um, because divinity is outside of that. And so, anybody who is trying to learn about God or some aspect of God or is there a God has to be willing to um, be open to the possibility of contradiction. They have to be open to the idea that people are even people who are spiritual, even people who are religious, right, are, are on their own journey um, in trying to understand divinity. And so I think it's so important, right, because to live, to live in a way where there's not something outside of us that we contribute to, mm-hmm. I think ultimately is um, uh, a dangerous, can be a very dangerous place to be. And so, um, Seeking God is, is for me, is important. It, it, it's what gives me breath. Mm-hmm. And, and the practice of spirituality is actually like a muscle, right? So the more you do it, the stronger and more comfortable you become. Mm-hmm. And so if you are uh, looking to, um, you know, uh, be deeper in your faith, for instance, right? Prayer is a good place to start, right? Prayer, having actual conversation with the divinity is a great way to say, hey, I'm trying to get stronger in my faith, right? And I think that um, adding those spiritual practices um, um, is really what adds to the journey. The other thing is that no spiritual journey is um, uh, relinquished from trial and tribulation, mm-hmm. right? So any, it doesn't matter what's, what, what faith tradition you are part of, whether you're Hindu, whether you're Buddhist, uh, which is more of a philosophy than the actual religion, but if, you know, Christian or um, if you are part of Judaism or even Islam, all of them, every last uh, spiritual tradition understands that pain and suffering is a part of spiritual life. It is a part of the journey, right? And so anyone who has a, a, um, a understanding of divine as though that as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, nothing bad is supposed to happen to me, that is an illusion. That's not true, right? And so um, that is actually more reason why engaging prayer and engaging in spiritual practices, because what do you do when 
what you thought was success goes down the toilet. Yeah. Right. If you don't have anything outside of yourself, you know, it could lead you to go down a really dark path of hopelessness that really just isn't there. Um, and I think that that's something that um, we're still, all of us are still living, even I'm still learning, right? And I think the pandemic has been a very eye-opening experience uh, where, where, where everything is going good, right? And then everybody feels it. Everybody has this moment of complete suffering. And you know, you're asking God why, and God is big enough to answer the question might not answer when you want right we'll talk about god's agency later but um you know you know god can still be god right so just because you ask a question doesn't mean god will give you an answer it doesn't mean that god will give you the answer that you want to hear so um and so i think that all of that becomes so important in the journey so so finding something is is the beauty of spiritual life is that you never are done you're always searching and that's the beauty of spiritual life is that there's always another goal in mind. You never, if you're engaging in it, you'll never be satisfied. And it leads to a betterment of self and it leads to a deeper commitment to the betterment of others. Thank you for that. Because when you brought up the aspect of when we pray, sometimes we pray because we want something in that moment. And the idea that you were saying, and not even this, the reality that God answers when he feels like it's the right time to answer. And then also when you need to hear it, or you're presented certain things in your life, certain experiences, certain people, either for a season, for a lifetime, depending on what that person's supposed to teach you, is something I'm, I'm learning more and more. And my neck, it actually, it's funny, these are going into my next question, is that when first why when we pray do you think we ask for specific things and to you know and that might be that that's that's a light question but then it goes on to the second question is why do we ignore God's signals yeah um so to to answer your first question um if if you understand God as being the source right you're going to ask the source Right. If you're if you're if you're a baby. Right. You know, you're going to cry until mama or daddy figures out that, OK, you hungry. It's time to get you some milk. Right. Right. There's nothing wrong with pleading, pleading to divinity and pleading to God about, um, you know, about what your needs and or desires are. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, it makes sense to do that. That's what we're supposed to do when we understand our relationship with God, that if God is the Jehovah Jireh, if God is truly the provider, then we go to the source, right? We go to the creator, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What gets us in trouble is that we only go to God when we want something. That's the issue, right? And so if your converse, like, you know, if you're, if you got a girl and the only time your girl call you is when she wants something. That's a very that ain't a relationship you really want, very right? Very you know what I'm saying? If you calling her and the only time you talk to her is when you want something, that's a different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not that's not personal. That's business, right? And so, um, to engage spirituality with God at a deeper level, there ought to be prayers of Thanksgiving. So you know, uh, in 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 the scriptures. In the Christian Bible, there is in the Psalms 
all kinds of chapters where there is nothing other than just saying thank you. And half of a request should always be a thank you. You thank God for what you already have. And you thank God after you get what you wanted from God, you thank God again. And so Thanksgiving is, is, is always good. But also the misconception about prayer is that prayer is also a time for you to complain. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a prophet, but Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations that attributes to him is nothing full of complaints. God, these people mean, these people are rude. These people are turning their backs on you. You can go to God in prayer and your, and your prayer is a complaint. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of these Negroes. That's the prayer too. And it's honest, right? That true communication with God mm-hmm. that comes from an authentic heart is all prayer is. And we limit our engagement with God when we only speak to God when we need something, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens is, is that we miss the signals when it comes to, for instance, we miss when God is speaking in different things because we have not practiced opening ourselves up spiritually in ways to get information through all of our ability and senses, right? And so that sixth sense can only be opened when we activate it. That goes back to the point about the muscle. And so if you are um, somebody who only goes to God when, when you want something, the only time you see God is when you got what you wanted. But if you engage God at every level, say, God, I'm tired of all these, you know, these frustrating coworkers. I'm tired of all these fake people being around me or, or my family has turned their backs on me. And you go to God in prayer. God has a way of showing you and teaching us some things, not just giving us some things. So sometimes those signals is you know, God will show you that just because they got your last name, don't make them family, right? That just because, um, you know, you, you might want something, but not right now, right? And somebody can show you that, you know, um, and I'm thinking, I forgot what my man is on that's getting eaten alive on social media right now. I pray for that. I pray for the couple, the, the guy that was a relationship coach, an expert, and he got you know, caught cheating and all that kind of stuff with his wife. The, the painful thing, but the lesson is, the spiritual lesson, at least that I got out of it, is that you got to be careful about um, trying to emulate your relationship off of somebody else. Because mm-hmm. no matter what they post on social media, you don't know the full story. Very true. So when you open yourself up, you can begin to receive spiritual deposits that come in all kinds of ways. And God is always speaking. I, I, I see God when it rains, right? That, that, that grass does not grow if there's no water that touches its face. Very true. Right? And it's like, it's like, God, it's like dang, God, that's deep. You got a cycle. You got a system in place, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so... That, that practicing in spirituality is what opens your, your sixth sense. And when your sixth sense is opened up, you'll begin to see God talk and speak in all kinds of ways. That's deep, that's deep, that's deep. So the system, the idea that religion is, is, is like muscle memory, it's constant practice with anything because the only way you get better at something is you have to apply yourself and apply your energy into it. So when it comes to, I heard you briefly talk about relationships with this whole Derek Jackson situation and him and his mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. Young people specifically, 
I think a lot of times now we're finding that social media, he say, she say, temptation, just, just a lot of distractions in our midst. And now we forgot, in my opinion, what a true relationship is. Mm. And because of that, how religion is always important in all aspects, but how important is it that you and your partner, how whatever degree it is, is how important is it that you and your partner have a good religious relationship? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think what what is important mm-hmm. is that in in romantic relationships, but really in any relationship that that you find to be close and that you really do value, mm-hmm. there has to be an acceptance that each one of us will meet God by ourselves. Right. No matter how much in relationships you might be, life and death. I just buried my grandfather, and 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 um, my grandmother has been saying something that's been just true, and it just opened my eyes. Right? She said that you come in this world by yourself, and you're gonna leave by yourself. Yeah. Right. And so when you're in relationships with people, and you're trying to assess where their spiritual lives mm-hmm. yours. Um, I don't know if my hearing, it might sound a little weird because- um, it, it, it cut out a little bit, but it's all right. You're, you're back. You're back in action. Okay. Um, one, of, one of the things that is that's so important is that you have to let people in their space, let them walk their journey, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'll be transparent. I'm single but I'm also a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, women's perspective of me is that they'll never be able to, whatever spiritual level they think I'm on, I don't know what level it is, but yeah. you know, they they assume, right, that I'm on this high spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I, I communicate with people in my life is that you are on your own journey. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't be compatible simply because you are in a place that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right? What's more important in any relationship is that you have an understanding sense of value system, right? You can have, you can be a part of the same faith and not have the same values. Very true. And especially in romantic relationships, that's what gets a lot of young couples in, in trouble. Their value systems aren't the same, right? You know, and they end up in these relationships and, it, and they find that their communication's off. They find that they're frustrated. And you take a step back and you say, y'all don't even, y'all don't want the same thing. Y'all not, y'all not desiring the same space. And the frustration kicks in that way. So I think that if you focus less on, um, you know, how religion plays in relationship mm-hmm. and focus more on how our understanding of our faith affects what we want in life and where we're going in life. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would um, be better stewards of their relationships in that way. That's good. That's good points. That's good points. So then this might be a this might be a vague question, but why aren't people happy with <laughs> the idea of where they are? Why are people, why do we as people, because I can say this for myself, sometimes I feel like I want too much 
and I'm thinking too far ahead in that I'm 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 rushing the process in a sense. When people yeah. throw out the word the process, I say the path because I feel like God set a path for me in this life and that continually a lot of times I, I pray that I'm staying on that path because we get distracted and we and we have trials and tribulations that have to come in our lives to teach us something and mold us because we're imperfect. I mean that's that's the biggest that's the biggest aspect. So but why are we not happy with where we're at? So so the, the Apostle Paul in New Testament talks about how um, he is content in all situations, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, he was rich at one point and he was content. He has, you know, suffered tribulation. He's been shipwrecked. He's been arrested. He's been beaten up. He's been lied on. And he says he's still content. Part of, at least my personal opinion, part of the issue is, um, <laughs> is I think we focus too much on happiness. Wow. Okay. Happiness, happiness is an emotion, uh-huh. right? But happiness is not a state of being. Okay. There's moments where you are happy, just like there's moments when you are sad. Yes. Right. If if you lost a close loved one, you wouldn't be happy, and no one would look at you crazy if you weren't happy. Yeah. Right. So so the idea. That you're supposed to be happy all the time. That's right. the illusion. Got you. Right. The the goal and what and what spiritual life can teach and what spiritual life can bring is mm-hmm. an understanding of contentment. That your gratitude and your spirit of gratitude is so heavy that if you never gained another thing, you're still fine right where you are. Very true. And so, and so, and and what social media unfortunately has done to us, it has created this picture and illusion that, you know, if you're not happy, something's wrong with you. If you're not trying to pursue your happiness, something's wrong with you. There's some moments where you might be doing exactly what you want to do. You might be moving exactly as you said, the path you're on, and happiness might not always be a part of that dream. You know, there, there are moments, and in all transparency, there, there are moments where I'm not happy with God. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I just became the, the, the pastor of, of my church back in February 2020. As soon, thank you, man. No, as soon as, soon as the pandemic hit, I mean, as soon as I, I become pastor of church, the pandemic hit. Yeah. God, I got some questions, and I ain't happy. <laughs> right? And so I think that we have to we have to to not be so obsessed with this notion of happiness mm-hmm. that I, I just want to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you teach yourself that you only know how to function when you're happy. But your purpose, Jeez. your purpose isn't based on your happiness. Your purpose mm-hmm. isn't based on your mood. If you if you're a father or a mother, you don't your children can't rely on you just when you're happy, mm-hmm. right? And so. When you when you get engaged in that spiritual life and you start walking with God and you find out who you are, what you're created to do, how you're supposed to do it, you got the plan set out, you move forward. Some days ain't gonna be happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was, what is that 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 that, that quote? Uh, my life ain't been no crystal stair, right? Mm-hmm. That you and I are not gonna always be happy. Period. Very true. So so can so can you have enough? maturity and trust in God that even in the moments where I'm not happy, I'm still myself. 
and I'm not using somebody else's barometer of what's valuable. Yeah. To to say that maybe oh I, I'm not happy because uh, uh they going to a trip and, and I'm you know and I'm it's like I mean if that makes them happy you know but don't allow other people's lives or perceptions of their lives yeah. be the barometer you set for what makes you happy. My my parents I was talking to a friend the other day my parents have had no desire ever to travel internationally. Mm. Not because they're scared. They just had no issue. And and my father, he's traveling internationally for work, right? But oh, he just wants to come home. That's 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 his happy place. Yeah, he home with his wife and his children. That's that's all that matters to him, right? That makes him happy. I'm not my father. Mm. <laughs> a brother go a brother go see some places. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so so you have to one not be obsessed with happiness and then two don't allow um society to vex you what what is what what it means to be happy right mm -hmm. uh, millions and dollars might not make you happy it actually might make you miserable you right. just don't have a million so you don't know what it feels like to have a million but i can tell you i mess millionaires and they are miserable happiness is not the word the last uh statistic i saw uh, an article I read said that once you reach about $75,000 on average in American society, mm -hmm. money no longer affects your happiness. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, and, and so, you know, so you have to define happiness for yourself and you have to be okay with understanding happiness is an emotion, not a state of being. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Building upon that, I that building upon emotions that a lot of times as people we since society, like you said, has kind of created this picture and we see it through social media of what is happiness, what is what is my life supposed to look like? What am I supposed to be doing in the next couple of years? Why do we because last week on the mental health episode that we did, we talked about the idea of distraction and how a lot of times when we're not feeling ourselves in a sense that we try to create, we might work extra, we might try to talk to multiple people, we might try to replace the void that we're feeling because we don't know how to address it ourselves. How important is it to embrace that pain that you're dealing with? How important is that? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a phenomenal point. I think that, um, um, this is one of those moments where I sit at the feet of the elders, right? This is one of those moments where I, I talk to talk to the OGs in the room, and I ask mother and them, and I ask grandma and big mom and them some questions, right? Because I think that um, our, I think we're struggling now how to navigate pain because, like like you're saying, because everybody wants to be happy. Mm -hmm. When you feel pain, you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You don't know what to do with it, right? And, and especially for men, you know, especially men, Black men, when we're not taught how to express ourselves emotionally, mm -hmm. when our emotional intelligence is lower than women's emotional intelligence and our vocabulary to, the, to, to define our emotional or mental states are more limited, mm -hmm. it makes it 
or difficult in those moments, right? Because they say, well, talk about it, but my language is limited. I can't tell the difference between being angry, frustrated, mad, and yeah. anxious. I can't tell if I'm stressed or if I'm just seeing red. And so a part of the importance of the spiritual journey is to practice letting it all out in front of God. The reason God is the best therapist I've ever had. Amen to that. Amen to that. God is the best therapist I've ever had. Because God ain't gonna snitch, God ain't gonna gossip. God ain't going to tell nobody and, and God's not going to be upset. Right. And so for me, the beauty of it is that we have to spend more time practicing. And it's a beautiful thing that people are, are embracing therapy and embracing um, different realms of, um, of mental health awareness. Right. And the spiritual component puts it all together to say that, that, Therapy helps me process my pain, mm -hmm. but my faith is what helps me give purpose to it. Okay. Right. And so I go to therapy to process why I'm hurt, mm -hmm. when I'm hurt, how do I describe that I'm hurt? How do I tell others that I'm hurt? How do I make sure I don't bleed on others when I'm hurt and don't victimize other people because I'm hurting? But then when you have the conversation with God, God says the devil meant it for evil, but I meant it for good. Right. When I when I engage God, God says the reason why this I allowed this to happen was because you now know what it feels like to be in that position. Mm -hmm. And so now you can help somebody else when they go through. Right? You because you know what it's like to be depressed, because you know what it's like to go through that first year of uh, uh, of orientation. And um the the the, that that moment of uh, pressure and tension, you're in a new school, whatever, and that's what seniors are for. Because yeah. they they can they they can teach you. No, nah, you don't want to eat that in the cafeteria. No, nah, you don't want to take that class. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's the beauty of 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 sometimes going through pain is that you help somebody. So it goes back to the conversation about the village. For you to be a a a person who is spiritual, it means that every aspect of your life life not just the happy moments mm -hmm. can help somebody else very true Dang. um you know and and one thing about this podcast is that like we like to say that we're learning while our audience learns mm -hmm. I'm, like, I'm learning a lot through this because it's because a lot of times these are personally for me these are my questions i've been wondering just to try to understand you know the world my world and the world around me and and kind of make sense of how to traverse it because i think a lot of times in this life, we ask ourselves, how do I go about this? Or what, what am I supposed to do? Or God, what are you trying to show me through this experience or that experience? What is this person trying to show me? Or what I'm supposed to, it's just all these different questions. So my next question is with the pandemic, like you had touched on earlier, that was something nobody was ready for. We, nobody, we weren't ready for it at all. It just came out of nowhere, it was a snap. And then next thing you know, we're closing down communications kind of cut off we're not seeing people face to face and because of that um some people didn't really know how to cope with it so and now since we're starting to open back up and we're i i'll get i guess practicing how to talk again with it with an in-person conversation how important is it to connect with somebody on a spiritual level because 
for me personally, I feel like when I'm talking to some of my my younger peers, that when we talk about religion, it's if it's only when something bad's going on. Maybe maybe I'm not doing well in my class. You know, for a girl, my boyfriend just broke up with me, or vice versa, or and whatever, and or financial aid hasn't kicked in. I don't know if I'm gonna have enough money to come back to school, just just stuff like that. So how important is it to have a spiritual conversation? And it goes back to what you were saying that you're not supposed to, you're the idea of complaining to God sometimes, but also thanking him for the situations that you're in. So I'm, I'm putting all these points just to ask, how important is it to have a spiritual conversation with somebody? Yeah, I, I think um, it's, I, I'm, take it very seriously it could sometimes be the, the difference between life and death mm -hmm. right? um i think sometimes um everybody has history everybody mm -hmm. has some type of history and i think um when we're engaging people on day-to-day -day basis you never know what through your spirituality mm -hmm. you never know what you might touch in somebody else right? you, never, you never know that your word of encouragement or, you know, just like, so we were talking about prayer earlier, right? I think one of the things that I learned in college, because people knew I was a preacher in college and that made things very interesting. Um, <laughs> but but um, one thing that's very amazing is, is people um, are not opposed to spiritual practices. They're opposed to the feelings of judgment and condemnation sometimes that comes with it, right? If, yeah. if, 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 if a girl or a guy has been you know, cheated on and it really hurts them, right? And you're somebody who comes in who's gracious and compassionate and understanding, say, hey, man, I know what that feels like. You know, you know, do you want to pray about it? I'm saying and, and and that is how you're able to engage without being presumptuous mm -hmm. and you say or or you can say hey man you know um I'm always here to talk um and I'll be just I'll be praying for you tonight. I don't you know I don't know how come you feel about praying together but just know that somebody's praying for you you just never know what that kind of stuff can do for somebody's life man you just never you never know um it could save somebody's life and, and I I was a I was a college uh, advisor. I was head advisor, so I was responsible for one of three student residence leaders who was responsible for all the residence life on, on my campus for undergrad. And we, you know, we had a guy who died from uh, a, a drug overdose. Um, a guy died in a car accident. His seatbelt wasn't on. Truck landed on top of him. Um, a guy hung himself in his. Uh, dormitory and then we had a neurovirus outbreak so we're not so our, our whole campus was in it was in complete lockdown somebody i guess went on the cruise somewhere and, and everybody was getting sick we had to shut everything down mm -hmm. um and i didn't expect it but, but certain people kind of looked at me and said hey man you know what does god got to say about this right and so you just never know how being open and honest about, hey man, yeah, I go to church. I'm looking for a church down here in school. You know, any good recommendations? Got any good recommendations? You just never know um, 
how that can impact somebody's life. And so that's why being open and having that spiritual muscle built and just being spiritually aware. And sometimes, you know, let's be honest, we sometimes can be embarrassed about our faith traditions because it's uncomfortable because we haven't been taught, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, the only ones that look like they trained on how to have conversations about Jesus at the door, right? And so, you know, we're, oftentimes we're not trained about, okay, how do you talk to God on a regular on a regular basis, right? And I think um, by having more open dialogues about, hey, man, you know, because um, like I said, we only talk about God with hot button topics, you know, and that's really not fair. Yeah. Um, because there's so much that can be talked about that is less divisive, even if it is controversial. Yes, sir. And so, um, you know, being open is what makes you a vessel, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, when the, 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 what I love about, um, what I love about um, water slides is that water slides never run out of water. That's very true. The only difference between a regular slide and a water slide is that there's water. Just and it ain't even a whole lot. I got. I mean, there's rivers and ponds that got more water that help you slide down there. But the beauty of a water slide is that water is always cycling through. Mm-hmm. And so when you open yourself up, you turn from a slide to a water slide. You turn into somebody that can get some of that living water that comes out of your relationship with God, and you can let somebody else be used, let somebody else use your experience and slide through whatever journey that they're going through. And before you know it, they're at the end of the at the, at the end of the pool. And all it took for you was that one moment where they went down your slide of spirituality mm-hmm. just for 10 seconds, one prayer, one conversation, and it could completely change their life. And so um my my thing is you know, don't be open. Some people are like, hey, you know, I ain't in all that church stuff. And that's cool. You know, skin off your back, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but being open gives you an opportunity to really allow God to use you. And it could really, it seriously could change somebody's life. It really could. Yes, sir. Well, first, sir, I just want to say thank you for the wisdom. I'm not going to lie. Like, this helped. I feel like th- th- more importantly, it didn't just help me. I feel like it helped a lot of people because I think a lot of times we question ourselves along this journey and along this life because maybe things we've done in the past or things we're doing currently, you know, we sometimes think that, you know, because we've done bad things that God hates us and that because of that, we can't really face him and ask him for guidance and wisdom. And, you know, we forget about, you know, the important things. I'm gonna just say so. Man, man, man I, I, I'll, I'll just say this: mm-hmm. you never hate something that you spend time making. Mm-hmm. You never, you man, whether you wrote a paper, you know what I mean. The teacher might think the paper ain't no good, but you thought you, you know, you put your best full effort, you know, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're doing the late nighters, but that's one other story. But if you if you've made something, a company, a relationship, a product, an invention, you never not love what you spent time making. And that's the beauty of, of God. God loves us because God made us. Mm-hmm. And 
nothing and there's nothing we can do about it. We might be mad at God, but God still loves us. We, we make mistakes, God still loves us. And that's the beauty of, of a true, authentic relationship. You feel that love even in moments where you might not get that love from others. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That scripture, you know, it's, you know, it's holy week. So, you know, God so loved, John 3, 16, God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son, the whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us so much, he gave up himself for us, man. And so for anybody who, who might be watching, you you are never not alone. That there's somebody who is always loving on you and watching you. And sometimes it might be harder to see it some days than others. But God is always there. And he's always watching and protecting and, and guiding. So that's, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's my last little, little tip. I, I never want anybody to feel as though that their spiritual or religious expression is devoid of a loving and divine God. Amen to that. Well, thank you, Pastor Wade. And before we, before we close out, could we close out with a prayer? Yeah, man, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's pray. <sighs> God, we um, thank you for this time together. We thank you for just everything, everything that you continuously do for us. We thank you for everything that you do through us. We might not always see it. We might not always recognize it. But God, we are so grateful that you made us and that you made us for a reason and a purpose. You are not a lazy entity you are not a lackluster entity and so every atom of our body is meant to move in a purposeful way and so we thank you we thank you for all the blessings that we can think about we thank you for all the blessings that we just don't have enough time to thank you for god i ask and intercede on behalf of uh, daoud and anybody who might watch and listen um I pray that you would continue to provide for them, that you would continue to protect them, that you would continue to watch over them. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would have your Holy Spirit uh, be wrapped up around them, that you would give them comfort in moments of anxiety or frustration or fear or anger or depression. I pray and cover their minds, O oh God, that you would uh, protect their minds, oh God, from deceitful thoughts and and dangerous uh, thinking, oh God, and self-destructive thinking, oh God. I pray for their bodies, that they are strong and healthy. I pray, oh Lord, for their spirits, that they are opened like a lotus flower, oh God, that grows through the mud, oh God, and that life is tough, life is rough, but their spirits are like blossoms that smell so sweet and, and are so bright in the midst of darkness. Keep them as only you can do. Protect them and guide them as only you can. Be with their families, everyone that they are close to and hold dear to their heart. Be with them as well. Give them an assurance and a confidence to not be ashamed of who you are. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, sir. And Thank you, everyone that tuned in. I hope you guys are just ready for more content because, you know, 
it's a lot more coming. And I you know, thank you, Pastor Wade, again. And you guys have a good rest of your day. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.